What's up, beautiful people, and welcome to She Prays First Podcast. Each week, we will deep dive into some interesting topics, analyze Bible passages, and have some amazing conversations with guests along the way. So pull up a seat, turn up the radio, headphones, or whatever you're listening on, and let's get into it. He saw the best in me when everyone else around could only see the worst in me. What's up, y'all? And welcome to another episode. And first of all, let me just start by saying that that song literally came out in 2010, which, if y'all didn't know, was 12 years ago. And no matter how many times I've heard that song, and no matter how many times you've heard the words in that song, they don't start to hit different until you believe them. And I believe them. And sometimes, actually all the time, I think it's important for us to just, first of all, acknowledge the God, the good God that we serve. The God that left the 99 to come save and rescue us. The God that called us not because we were qualified for the job, but because he is going to qualify us. And the God who sees the best in us despite what our friends see, what our families see, and even greater, what we see. And in Exodus 3 and 4, we see a few passages that reminds me, that remind me of moments like these. Now, in these passages, God has called Moses to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And so God says to Moses in Exodus 3.10, so now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses then replies and says, who am I, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And so God responds to him by saying, I will be with you. And so at this point, I kind of began to notice that, of course, God sees something in Moses that Moses doesn't even see in Moses. And so Moses kind of has this whole, you know, God, why me type thing going on. And they and literally the entire time, God is looking back at Moses like, why not you? And as you read further into chapter four, you'll see that Moses continues to kind of keep up with this self-doubt. And he's saying things like, what if they don't believe me? Or, well, God, you know I'm not a good speaker and you know I'm kind of slow with my words. So, like, how is that going to work? And he even gets to the point where he's like, God, please just send somebody else. Literally anybody else but me. And this entire time, God is just like, just go. I got you. I'm going to be there. And you already know if I'm there, you're going to be straight. That's not what he said, but it was basically that's what he said, you know but, you know, that's what he was telling Moses. I'm going to be with you the whole time. It's it's going to be fine. Be still. Know that I am God. And so in these passages, Moses is literally the prime example of what we mean when we say God does not call the qualified. He qualifies who he calls. Because as you can see, Moses was not technically what you would consider qualified for the job. And he knew that, which is why when God kept telling him to do all these things, Moses was like, God, you know, I don't do that. And God is just looking like Moses, like, look at who you're talking to. It's God your creator. Who do you think gave these people their mouths in the first place? And so, yeah, just like everything else in this world, it's so easy to say that and say something, but it's a whole other thing to actually believe it. And one thing that a lot of us seem to forget when we get saved and, you know, start to really walk that walk is where exactly God brought us from. Like, yeah, it's easy to look back and be like, oh yeah, man, you know, I was living in sin and God brought me through it. But once you actually believe that, it's way deeper than just I was living in sin and God brought me through it. There are many, many people today who believe that Jesus's miracles left the earth when he did. But in reality, the salvation of a sinner is literally the greatest miracle that we could ever see. And so when we look back at the people that we used to be, it's less about the bad people that we were and more about 
the good God that we serve, a God that loved us enough to meet us right where we were in sin, and a God that saw a greater being in us beyond those sins. And a lot of times when we go through these changes and begin to pursue God and just overall do better, the people around us have a hard time adjusting to that, or at least some people around us have a hard time adjusting to that. Because literally there were some people who, once I got saved, I never heard from you again. You know, once I said, oh no, I'm not pulling up, that was the last time we spoke. And the truth is, a lot of times we don't want to let go of who that person used to be. We want to constantly remind them. We want to make sure they know and remember remember exactly who they were and everything they used to do and so an example of that is I literally would have friends maybe in college or or in like 12th grade or something still holding on to fifth grade me still reminding me of crazy stuff that fifth grade me used to do and it's like sorry ma'am but that girl is gone I'm sorry she ain't here no more she don't live here and do you know why many of us have such a hard time believing that someone who was once a sinner can be made completely new? Because we have a hard time believing God. Let's take a look at 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 7. It says, The Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now in this verse, God is talking about David. David who, after the things he did, David who committed sins like adultery and murder, and of course many, many more. Now, in today's time, we would see David and literally drag him through the mud, on the internet at least. We make sure we call him all kinds of names, throw his transgressions in his face, and overall just never let him forget, never let him live that down. You're never living that down, David, I'm sorry. And some would even go to the extent of questioning his faith, like, are you even really a Christian, David? Are you sure? And so it's like, if this is clearly the David that we see, then why is it that God still sees him as the apple of his eye and a man after his heart and so I'm reading this and I'm like wait a minute so God you still love David and see him as all those nice things you said about him even after all the stuff he did and the answer is yes because while David because while David was a man who had his faith tested and definitely failed at times he was also a man who was one truly repentant meaning not only did he confess his sins to the Lord and ask for forgiveness, but with the help of God's word, David experienced a heart change. Because at the end of the day, repentance is more than a behavior modification. It's a heart change. And as we see in Psalms 51 verses 1 and 2, David says, According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And so this led to God restoring David and purging out what led to those sins in the first place. To the point where David literally comes to a place where he now hates the same sins that he once loved. Obviously loved enough to commit them because when you're a sinner, you're attracted to those sins. Sinning is attractive to the sinner. And so as we can see here, God obviously loves David just as he loves us. And he sees the best in us. He sees what the people around us don't see or more times than not, what they refuse to see. And due to this, many of us have become enslaved to feelings of rejection and we don't even realize it. And so this causes us to believe lies about ourselves and we project those same lies onto other people and overall it undermines our relationship with God. So we'll think to ourselves like, man, my own mom kicked me to the curb and won't forgive me. What do you think God is gonna do for me? Or if my own best friend won't forgive me, then I know for sure God won't. 
when that's not true. The truth is a lot of people avoid getting to know God because they are afraid of rejection. And who can blame them? Because at the end of the day, we all have our cuts and wounds from experiencing this superficial and worldly love that leads to us neglecting ourselves from the only love that is truly unconditional and that can truly sustain us, the love of God. And so when you listen to this, don't think that God hasn't experienced rejection before. I would like to remind you that Jesus did not perform miracles in his hometown because no one in his hometown thought that he could be any more than just Mary and Joseph's son. Jesus's own family and brothers were literally embarrassed of him and thought he was crazy, all of the above. So don't think that we don't have a savior that can sympathize with our emotions and our experiences because we do. But the thing is, Jesus did not let this rejection in his hometown stop him from shaking the dust off his feet and going to spread God's love in the next town. And so despite those who may have wrote you off and said you wouldn't be anything or you could never do better, just remember that through all of that, God has only seen the best in you. And as the song says, and I'm not going to sing it because um I can't hold that note, but as it says, he's mine and I'm his. It doesn't matter what I did. He only sees me for who I am and who you are is a person created in God's image and likeness according to his standards, contrary to what the world may want or feel about that. And so now we must make the decision to see ourselves in a way that God sees us and forget how the rest of the world chooses to view us. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. And so that's all I have for y'all today. Hopefully this episode was able to inspire or encourage someone. But no matter what, Jesus loves you. Bye.